When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast. We got Jesse, we got Rudo, we got Megan coming to you live on a Monday. We were going to dive into more Stanley Cup final stuff, but, the well, not the Avs. I guess it's Anaheim that really made the news. Uh, it does affect the Avs, though, as Anaheim hires Greg Cronin as their head coach for next season. Yep. Uh, Megan, I don't think we're super shocked by this, but maybe a little bit surprised that it happened so soon. Honestly, I was actually nervous for Anaheim that they hadn't named a new head coach because they had been interviewing people for a little bit now, especially with Greg Cronin having been a part of the interview process earlier. That's why it's not surprising is we knew that to be true. But with other candidates' names thrown into the ring, I think that's where there's a little bit of surprise that he still beat out some of these other candidates. We've talked about other NHL assistants that might have been considered for the job. And I'm excited he won out in the end. And happy for him, for sure. Absolutely. I think you're right. I have to put this (laughs) in perspective. This is an avalanche podcast. (laughs) And I think they made the right choice. I I think that he has a skill set that is going to be an appropriate fit for Anaheim's young core. So really excited to dive into this a little bit. The only part for me that was surprising, and we talked about this just a little bit, you know, uh, before, was because there was other candidates, there were uh, you know, NHL head coach candidates. There were some age, you know, obviously Greg Cronin, AHL candidates, some NHL assistant candidates that we didn't hear any more buzz about this, that there wasn't any more talks about Anaheim's, you know, narrowed down their search that, you know, they're, they're, they're to these last couple guys that they're interviewing. Um, they just kind of said, no, nope, the fact that it was guy, like, yeah, yeah, Hey, by the way, Monday morning, it's Cronin. It's like, <laughs> Whoa. You know, so like you said, Megan, we knew that this was a possibility. Um, but, like, if you were purely just going on what was being reported, you didn't even know that he yeah. had interviewed, you know? It came up quietly in the beginning, and then new names were discussed. It sort of took like over the conversation. Like they moved on almost, yeah. And, and I know we'll get into him, but, like, I even heard, is there a potential Mike Babcock reunion yeah, in Anaheim? Yeah, we'll talk like, about that like a there, there, were, there were just, there were some big headline grabby type names out there for the, this to happen as quietly as, quietly as it did. And then, yeah, Monday morning, it's Greg Cronin, new head coach, Anaheim Ducks. That was the only part to me that I was like, whoa. I, wasn't, I just wasn't expecting to see that this morning. So uh, let me ask it to you like this. We talk a ton about the coaching carousel and the NHL's penchant for retreading coaches over and over and over and over. Anaheim tried that with Dallas Eakins. It did not go well. How much of that Shocking. is his fault? How much of that is Anaheim as a rebuilding team? Anyway, whatever doesn't matter and i get eakins came up through their system for this second opportunity but it didn't work we've seen the abs go with bednar a little bit further ago but anaheim goes with john cooper tampa bay you mean did i say anaheim yeah tampa yeah. bay <laughs> i uh, was like wait a minute wait a minute when <laughs> great get for them yeah yeah <laughs> uh, is there starting to see a shift of more opportunity for new head coaches in the nhl 
I feel like the opportunity has been there, but it hasn't always been successful. I think there have been a lot of failed stories of coaches making the transition from the American League to the Pro League, whether it be in an assistant capacity or head coaching capacity. That hasn't gone too well, and the concern has been, are these just two different leagues in terms of pace that it is a hard yeah, transition? I mean, just look at some of the coaches that got fired in the East this year. And genuinely, that's who springs to mind. Yep. So where, uh, here's how I see this. And I've mentioned this a few times when we talked about Jared Bednar. I think there is an overall shift in the way that corporations view leadership. And I think a lot of that is being driven by millennials becoming more prominent in the workforce and Gen Z starting to enter the workforce in large quantities, right? And that's even applicable in the NHL. The vast majority of the NHL from a player standpoint is made up of millennials with Gen Z players now being considered Filtering the in, rookies, yeah. the next yeah. crop, the, the young part of the league. So if you look, if you take a step back, even beyond sports and you just look at leadership and what large companies are doing, small companies, uh, tech companies, retailers, everyone's looking for good communicators. And we need people that understand how to communicate with a new generation that, says we're not coming into the office and 80 of them say it so you can't just fire all of them so you have yeah. to figure out a way that you make this work and you got to do a remote plus in office you got to figure out a way to communicate that because you know hey maybe you know you don't want to offend anybody you don't want to this you have you know more you, workplaces are more inclusive than ever and you have to find people that understand how to speak that language and how to make things you know continue to work down a right the right path and welcome in people and, and make sure that no one's feeling, you know, left out and people are getting individualized treatment because we're realizing more and more everybody is different. So the way that that bleeds over into sports, you look at a guy like Jared Bednar and the thing about him, you know, Megan, we talked to players this year. What is it about him that makes him special? What is it about that? You know, makes him unique. And the, the theme around it was he feels more like one of the boys. We don't look at him as the coach. We look at him as our leader. And he understands the way I talk to Nathan McKinnon is vastly different than how I talk to Alex Newhook. And how I talk to Alex Newhook is very different from how I talk to JT Comfort. And you can just go down the line. And Jared Bednar understands that. And we see him on the ice at practice. He, you know, they'll be out there and there'll be guys taking laps. And he goes around and some guys he skates with and talks and laughs. Other guys, he pulls them away from the group and he talks to them one-on-one -on, -one on the bench. He's fine stopping practice and adjusting guys, uh, you know, uh, uh, talking to guys individually or addressing a group, a small group. He understands how to communicate with today's professional. And I think what you're seeing and the reason that teams are willing to maybe be a little bit more open to this is, does that not sound a lot like how you described Greg Cronin all year? He gets these guys and he gets how to develop them and he, under, he can pinpoint, here's where a guy's shortcoming is and I can target that while still catering to the things that he does well. And I just think that what we're slowly seeing in sports is... These old school coaches, you know, manage the team in an old school way, in a way that yeah. doesn't resonate with young at all. Minds, like, at all, probably actively harms the relationship. Right, and, and yeah. it's maybe part of the reason why a guy like Gerard Gallant, who you know we know is very hard on players, gets a lot out of him, but wears thin super quick. Well, it seems like that's wearing thin quicker and quicker at, with every stop. Yep. And it's because the league is getting younger and you just have more people that say, 
no, I don't have to just do that because you say... For lack of a better term, they're saying, this is bullshit, I'm not going to put up with it. Right, right. <laughs> and, and you know, don't paint me into a box. Yep. And you, you see instances all around the league where, you know, players are having the reins taken off them and saying, we're going to play to what you do best. And, you know, Martin St. Louis in Montreal is the best example of this. Cole Caulfield went yep. however long that season went two goals. He shows up in the last 15 games. He's like a goal per game. goal scorer all of a right, sudden. Right, right. It's like you have to understand how to communicate with these guys. And I just think NHL teams and NHL front offices are figuring out we can't just run back old school hockey minds anymore. That doesn't resonate. Sure, their X's and O's, we like their system, but they don't know how to effectively communicate that, at least not for more than nine months at a time. And then that runs really thin. And so I think we're going to start to see this where you need the next wave. In the same way that the next wave is coming into the NHL from a player standpoint, you need the next you, wave of coaches you, to start hitting the, the league. You really start to look at Bednar as a forerunner of, of those types 100%, of coaches. 100%. 100% Rudy. Like he, he will be, I think, kind of the model. When, yeah. when we look back at it 10 years from now, it'll be Jared Bednar was the first one through the wall and everyone tried to figure out how to find that. With yep. Cronin specifically, I want to address that there are probably people more surprised than us, significantly more surprised to hear Greg Cronin announced because of the reputation he carried before Colorado. Different guy now, right? Yeah. He's a different person, and I wanted to address it because who he was described as by, like, I've talked to scouts who were at the end of their career NHL, AHL fringe types, and so they were very familiar with Cronin, players who played under him, and they described him as temperamental and having a temper, that he could be so hard on his players that it was ineffective. Yep. And the reason I make mention of this is to talk about the strides he has taken in listening to his players and reevaluating who he has a coach. I think this is where the old guard minds of hockey sort of clash with the younger generations of players that you're talking about is being stuck in their ways. Yep. And it is a necessary quality in a coach to reevaluate your approach to coaching to best get through to your players. And that is something that Cronin has worked on tremendously. He uses so much psychology in his approach to coaching to get through to his players and different players have required different approaches. And that's something that he will go back to the drawing board and reevaluate implement with his players and the success it's beyond just what he's been able to do with young players but i think the interesting thing with cronin is he's also described as a teacher and at the american league level it's a necessity to be able to teach especially with some of these young players that's going to be an interesting thing to see at the nhl level because there isn't maybe so much teaching that it's has not a to development be done, league but it's still helpful and with a young core in anaheim yeah, exactly why i think he's especially fit for the position but what's interesting is he has not been a benefit to just the young players. We've talked about Brad Hunt. Brad Hunt has talked about how much just the short time working with Greg yep. Cronin helped him. Alex Galchenyuk has been an interesting example that has been brought up. And there are, there are former players I know of that have played under this recent version of Greg Cronin that regret leaving Colorado. Well, and so, you know, I think... I think you you nailed it, and, and there's a couple other there's there's a couple reasons that I look at and say why why was he maybe higher on Anaheim's list? Then uh, there's a lot of good coaches out there. Like there, there's, there's a, I think it's the youth, man. I really do. I, I do. I agree, and I think it's one. It's the youth and what he's been able to do. Two, you have to be nimble and you have to be willing to pivot. Greg Cronin's a 60 year old guy, and he said what I'm doing doesn't work anymore. It's not effective. 
I have to find a way to reinvent myself so that I can communicate. And that's a skill. And that's something that's very impressive for someone at this point in his career. And number three, we just mentioned Jared Bednar, I think is going to be the blueprint for this for the next decade plus. Who did Greg Cronin just spend the last the year to two years for a couple of years working <laughs> directly with? How many times a week did they say that they talked? We would ask Jared about it, you know, him and Crow multiple times. Oh, yeah. And they would talk about philosophy. What what or what issues are you having with what players? What is successful? Where are you finding and you know, they would trade notes. So I mean, he literally has been working directly underneath the guy that we're saying is going to be the blueprint for the NHL coaching carousel for the next 10 to 15 years. Combined with all of the youth, like you guys just said, that is currently in Anaheim, not to mention a couple guys that will be familiar with Greg Cronin. When you really start peeling back the layers on this, it makes a ton of sense. And I think it could end up being a home run for the Ducks if the reinvention that Greg Cronin went through is who he is now. Three more questions here, and then we can move on to another topic. Uh, one, that. Is it going to work in the NHL for Cronin, or is it going to be rough? And there's going to be a learning curve. Okay. There always is. But I do think he sticks. I think there are certainly growing pains to anticipate, and part of it is this is a change for him in who he's going to be coaching. These aren't the American League young 20-something prospects. It's going to be young players who have high pedigree and Mm -hmm. they know it. It Mm -hmm. could come with a little bit of ego that is going to really test some of the reinvention that we're talking about with Cronin. Totally. He's going to have to apply that in real time. And I think that's where we'll see some growing pains. But I also think he has come so far that, you know, if I'm an Anaheim fan, I would be, I would have some patience. But I think what you'll come to find out about him quickly too is he's very raw and transparent. I think that he is going to be very upfront every step of the way He loves to talk about his philosophy, so he loves to give you insight into why he's doing things the way that he is if you just ask him about it. So I think that's one thing that will benefit him in this transition that will inevitably have growing pains is I think he's going to be willing to talk with Anaheim fans along the way when he addresses media to explain exactly why he's doing what he's doing. The other thing, too, that could make it tough is the team's just not very good. They're not good. At both levels. They had to completely overhaul because there are a lot of things structurally wrong. Yeah. So to jump off that, not just Cronin, but as a whole, I think we're all very familiar in the Avs organization with how hard it is to get from the AHL to the NHL as a player, mm-hmm. from Brandon Yip to Martin Kaut and everybody yeah. in between. Yeah. As a coach, harder or easier to get through that barrier? Uh, I think between Greg Cronin and Jared Bednar, they have timelines that would prove it's harder. I missed the first part of the question. The first part of the question was me rambling about AHL players. As a coach, is it harder or easier than a player to break into the NHL? Got it. Okay. Not to mention, you're going for one of 32 jobs. Yep. There's very. It's harder than goaltending. Goaltending has 64 at least. You got 700 something players, skaters, 64, 60 something goaltenders. Yep. There are 32 head coach, head coaching jobs in the NHL. Bednar has described how unforgiving this league is and how fear crept in his mind. I don't know if fear is the right word, but there were concerns and it's validated by how difficult it is to stay in this league because everyone remembers the mistakes. And I think because it's Cronin's second go around, he also recognizes this fact. I think a lot of coaches recognize 
how unforgiving this leak can be. Well, and, and what Bednar talked a lot about relative to what you're saying, Megan, is that the reason he, he thought and he said that he understood if the abs would have wanted to move on after the first year, but that he, the reason he didn't doubt himself and, you know, he would make jokes like there was a couple nights where I was like, holy smokes. But he said the reason he never doubted himself was because he knew that he was prepared, that all that time in the minors, he did all the prep work. So that by the time he got to the NHL, he knew win, lose or draw. He was prepared for that moment. And I'd be willing to bet that given Greg Cronin's past, the way he's kind of changed himself, working in this organization with Jared Bednar, with Joe Sackick, the culture they've built. I'd be willing to bet he's feeling a very similar way right now. I got this job because I was the most prepared. Uh, final question then. There is now a vacancy for the Eagles head coaching job. Who do you think it's going to be, Megan? I think it's going to be Aaron Schneekoth, and only because I knew Crow had an inkling that this was coming. And he talked a lot about Schneekoth at the end of this year and how vital he was to the success that they have had at the American League level. He works with their special teams, their power play. He helps set the D pairs and has been a really big sneaky influence on the defensive growth of the defensemen within the Colorado Eagles. Like you can look to Aaron Schneekloth and credit him with that. And obviously then this track record of two back-to-back Kelly cups in the East coast, he leads them there. He probably feels like he is due for this opportunity because he has led this group at a different professional league level that I, I think he's been around the organization. He, operates very similarly to Cronin, very hands-on. I could see him being such an easy fit to promote from within. I hope so. One of the early interviews I did in my career was asking him if he was going to get this head coaching job in the oh, AHL. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so, That's funny. A couple time. years down the road, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Got there eventually. <laughs> I was, was going to be right eventually, you know. Uh, the other news, and I don't really want to talk very much about this, but we can talk as long as you guys want rumored that Columbus is going to hire Mike Babcock as their head coach. And is all I have to say about that. Um, look, it's hard because in a day, you know, at a time where everybody, you know, everything's under the microscope, you know, I'll, I'll take it even a step back further. At a time where we're sitting here and we're talking about, you know, is the NHL going to greenlight a guy like Joel Quinville? Stan Bowman, are they going to get, you know, green lights come back to the NHL? I don't put Mike Babcock in that category. I don't either. You know, where it's like, there was a, you know, depending on how deep you get it, like there was potentially a crime committed here. I don't, uh, nothing I don't, potential about <laughs> well, well but i mean like in terms of like who had the information I, yeah, and like depending us, on these, yeah, i was gonna say i'm sorry I, I was trying to be as fair as possible I in that you, statement I hear you, I hear. as vague as possible the point is I, I don't put mike babcock in that category so i'm not saying like how could the nhl let this happen but it's more of just with everything you know with everything that we've heard no one's taking away the fact that when mike bab like he's a very decorated coach he coached several very successful teams at different levels, at different competition, uh, different competitions, Olympics, World Championships, you know, international NHL. I think he AHL even. No one's taking that away. But apropos of what we were just talking about, I, I just don't get how Columbus, especially the state of that organization, could take a step back and look at this and say, "We think this is this the is, best path forward." Even if 
Ignore all the off-ice stuff. I do this with Quinville all the time. Yep. On the ice, strictly on the ice, he's a fantastic coach. Yeah. Mike Babcock is good at coaching very good teams. His track record... I was that, he, the track record supports what you're saying. The track record of even a team like Toronto, who's good but not cup contender level, it's not great. Mm-hmm. It, it's not a great coach. We know he's rough around the edges with his players. How does that work with with guys like Johnny Gaudreau, with guys like Patrick Laine, Megan? I mean, I think we have a a similar example with Port's time in Columbus to point to as this perhaps not being a stylistic fit for this group of players. And I I think that's what it comes down to for me with Babcock is I – I feel for the players because this is a decision that they don't necessarily get to make, but I think they have to, they, they suffer the most from it. And it just doesn't seem like a stylistic fit from this player group to coach of this style. And I don't see it going well. Me either. Now I, I, in, in, in the spirit of what we were just talking about, can he recreate himself? I'm willing to give because you would have to imagine that even through all of this, like this isn't they Columbus did their PR grab last year with the Johnny Gaudreau thing. Yeah. So you would have, you would fucking hope <laughs> you would hope. And you'd have to imagine that this had to have been part of the interview process. If they even end up, you know, again, you feel pretty confident about the people that are putting this information out there. It's the sure. Chris Johnston's it's the Elliot Friedman's that before they came to this conclusion, it's how can we be sure that we're not going to have Get these same issues? Yeah. That, that it's not going to be you're, you're verbally abusive to players and, and you're too hard-nosed and you wear them out. What have you done and what are actionable things that you can point to that say, this is why I'm not the guy who yelling at Johan Franzen and kicking him in the back and yeah. you know standing on the bench and things like that. How do we know you're not that? Because I agree with you guys, and there's no way that they are... There's just no way that they're dumb to know you don't have the personalities that are going to gel with that. You just don't have that. Certainly on the surface, it doesn't look like Right, it. <laughs> right. So I, I guess I'm... I don't know. What's the secret sauce from, from, here? Over, yeah. from, from over here, from a th- you know, thousand miles away from Columbus, Ohio... Okay, I guess I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt because I trust that you guys did your due diligence on this and feel confident that you're not going to end up with a repeat of not just a coach that's not successful because I agree that his track record says I need a very, very, very good team to win. Aside from that, how, how you know... I I appreciate the optimism, Jesse. And again, I, I, I do. I'm just, I'm just trying to be fair, right? I'm trying to be fair from someone sitting in my seat not being privy to those conversations and saying, who am I to say this guy never deserves a job again. You're not wrong. I've also spent my 31 years on this earth watching NHL teams make terrible coaching decisions. And again, it's on the heels of the conversation of why wouldn't you with all of the good, you know, young by coaching standard talent out there, all the fresh faces, all the good trackers, why wouldn't you go that direction? I fully agree with all that, but if this is the direction they're going, I, I guess I'm willing to say out of the gate, Okay, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt because also back to what we were talking about, the young players just, they're not going to, like, he won't stick. Yep. I I don't think he knows how to communicate at all. No. And again, unless he's figured that out in the last five years, I think it's going to be a short stint. Yep. Uh, 
Megan, so I might have cut you off. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, no, I was kind of inhaling because Columbus has young players that they are desperate to get more out right. of. Right, yeah. right. That this is a s- essential in a coach, that they need somebody who can effectively get through to them. So that's where there's a little bit of great concern. All right. Well, Mike Babcock definitely makes me want to drink. So why not Preach. get down to Illegal Pete's this summer? They have the longest happy hour around from 3 to 8 p.m. every single day at all 12 Illegal Pete's location. Uh, it's a fantastic place, not just for drinks, but obviously. Go get their delicious burritos. Extra good. They have extra margaritas on the patio for happy hour. Look, all right. If margaritas are your thing. Love me a nice marg me on the patio. You. Let me tell you, Illegal Pete's. All right. Their margs are legit. Covered patio, too. So even with mm-hmm. all this rain, yeah. you can, or I guess the one right up here is covered. This this one that matters, the one by the bar. Well, I was going to say, not yeah. That if you're not local, go to your local Illegal Pete's, obviously. But, you know, we're pretty cool down here in Denver. We like to think. <laughs> Uh, so check them out, especially on Nuggets game days. Wear your Nuggets gear into any illegal Pete's location and grab a house margarita or draft beer for free with the purchase of a burrito. That's a pretty ridiculous yeah, deal. Kind of, kind of nice on the few Nuggets game days you have left. Seriously, so, at most you got five. Take advantage. <laughs> jump on it while you still can with illegal Pete's. And then, of course, brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery. If margs aren't your thing, maybe beer is the way to go. We got eight different kinds on tap down here at the bar. They're in all 50 United States. Use the Breck Beer Locator online at breckbrew.com to find it near you. Get yours. I just had a, it had been a while and had a Palisade Peach the other day. Mm. You cannot go wrong with palisade peaches which like i'm sure everyone in our chat from colorado is like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. if you don't know palisade peaches are a thing here in colorado yeah they're they happen every year they're delicious and now they're in a beer so (laughs) win-win on that one with breck brew bruto have you heard uh our breckenridge brewery thing that we're gonna do with megan no (laughs) we're gonna make her do a flight Oh, let's go. Flight. A full flight. Yes. I, I was like, well, at that point, why stop at Megan? Let's just all do it. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe we could do like a blindfold taste I mean, they test. have like 40 flavors. Right, right, right. <laughs> you might need some help drinking a couple. <laughs> but she said she's never had them, so we'll make Mom, her drink them all. Go. Okay. We'll it's going to be a long night. It's going to be a long night, Megan. We'll do the show and Megan will just taste <laughs> test. We'll just line them up across <laughs> the back here. I'll slowly uh, disappear behind uh, the uh, set. Yeah. At some point, I'll just be out of wine. <laughs> There you go. Go try the flights for yourself with Breck Brew. Uh, Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. All right. First of all, we just put out a roundtable on the site. Go check it out if you want to get our written thoughts on game one of the cup finals and thoughts on Florida and Vegas and how things are shaping up. This is an Avalanche podcast, so I did want to shape this in a specific way because we all watched game one, yes? Yep. The brand of hockey getting played there, I think, is interesting because it's not Colorado-esque in any any way, shape, or form to mm-hmm. me. And so my question is, if you're the abs, if you're Jared Bednar and you're watching this game, you're watching these systems, what can you take out of this and apply to Colorado? Damn, had we gotten out of the first round, we could have won again. <laughs> I don't disagree <laughs> with that take, <laughs> but not what I'm asking. <laughs> Uh, look, I mean, I think I, I really don't know if there's much stylistically that you're looking at this saying because well, it's so different from right. Colorado, right? But but what I do think it solidifies for me 
is at the roster construction level. Okay. We've got to be deep enough. Sure. To to go this far. Because that's the one thing to me about both these teams. Vegas in particular. I think Vegas has a slight edge here. But these are both deep teams that you feel good about all four lines that are rolling. Especially when they're bought into their systems and, and, and you know, are, are, are playing at a Stanley Cup final level. Which I thought both teams were. I thought Florida looked a little bit more uncomfortable in game one than I was expecting. I thought Vegas pushed the pace a little bit Definitely more. Definitely struggled in the third, I think. Yeah, Florida I agree did, with but. that for sure. But that to me was what I was looking at. This was the abs would have needed to get out of that first round. Then they would have needed, obviously not Gabe, but they would have needed Val. For sure. You know, they, they would have needed the depth to kind of trickle back in. Yep. Um, so I think that's really what you're taking away from this. I, I think it's more at the C-Mac and, and Joe level of, all right, we got to make sure it doesn't need to be, you know, we don't need to rebuild the 22 team. That was, that's going to go down as an all-time cup it, champion. But I, I think it, the point you're kind of digging at here, and this is nothing against these guys. They were great for the abs in 22, but maybe get away from the rehashing of Helms and Coglianos of the world at the bottom. I'm of even I'm fine with like Cog. You know, if, if you want to keep one of those guys in Cogs, but you such can't a glue, have glue guy. Five of right, that guy. Right, yeah. Right. 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 And it's just because when you get into these trenches a bit, if they're not going at the clip that they were in 22, which seemed like peaking out a bit, yeah. it's going to be hard to to be able to roll four lines. So that to me is my thing. Where it's yes, you got to figure out the two C issue, of course. But that bottom six needs to be more solidified this year. I think Next it's year. a lot of affirming. Affirming that the 2022 team, you don't need to recreate it because it was a team that was constructed so well. You look at the two teams in the final and you're like, okay, I don't know if any one of these on paper stacks up I don't even think as that complete close. and well-rounded yeah. as that 2022 Avalanche team. Yep. It's a high expectation that is near impossible to recreate in this era of the cap, truthfully. And so there's some confidence that can be derived from that. Like, okay, we well, don't have to do that exactly again, but the depth, like you're alluding to, and this is affirmed in the 2022 run. That was one of the ways in which this Avalanche team then was well-constructed. They had good depth. Mm -hmm. And this is where they lost Very the good. plot a little bit this season for reasons beyond their control because of injury. They did not look as well-constructed and balanced. They couldn't look to a fourth line that in the 2022 world was... Darren Helm, Andrew Cogliano, Logan O'Connor, and it was perfect. It was good at exactly what it did. No iteration of that line came close to being recreated in yep. this last season because it couldn't. And I think that's where you're talking then at the front office level. That is what is affirming to take away from this final is they could still be more complete, more well-rounded and balanced, especially knowing they won't have Landeskog for the upcoming season. It gives them an idea of how to become more complete. And maybe we're like we're not to cut corners too. And that is with the depth. Mm -hmm. Like we talk about 2C and the loss of Landeskog is huge because those are two important pieces of the top six, but you don't want to neglect the bottom six either. Right. And that's kind of the takeaway, I think, from this final and looking at these two teams because they didn't neglect these areas and the team that is very deep is doing well in here because of it. Well, and, and two things there. One, that's part of the reason why I actually liked, even with the way things ended, I liked the Lars Eller ad at the deadline and it was because the way C-Mac talked about it. He said, we needed center depth. Yes, we would have liked it to be a 2C, but we needed center depth because the part of that that you miss or that you don't think about is, okay, we don't have a 2C, so we're going to fill that in. 
Well, now we don't have a three seed. JT yeah. Comfort filled in very admirably at the two seed level all year. Until he, Lars Eller had to do it in the playoffs. <laughs> right, 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 right. But it left a glaring hole at 3C, okay? And so now you're getting a guy to fill in and, and give you just above yep. passable, but now you have this other black hole. And so, you know, that was why I liked the Lars Eller thing because it's like what you're talking about, Megan. Yes, we're aware of the 2C, but we're taking care of this. This is easier for us to fix right now, and we can fix this, and it gives us some of that depth back. The other thing to answer, to give you one answer to what you asked systematically, yeah. I think it is just, it, it doubles down on, because I thought especially the 22 abs were very good at this. Your defense has to be solid. You have to be bought into your team D from the red line back. And you have to keep an element of, I think we're, we're finally getting away from it, but we're getting to a good spot with it. You have to have some element of hard to play against. I'm not saying you got to have guys that are, nasty and mean and taking penalties and Jamie Ben cross-checking people in the neck. But I just go back to what Nico Sturm told us last year when he got to town, they brought me in cause I'm hard to play against. And he said, I'm not hard to play against in the terms of I'm going to put you into the third row, but I'm always on a puck. I've always got a stick in the way and you can always hear me over your shoulder. That's what the abs need. That's what I think both Vegas and Florida are very good at. They just, they mix it up they make it a miserable night to play against them. And again, for reasons that were out of their control, I thought the Avs lost that a little bit this year. They were easier to play against this year than they were in 2022. Unfortunately, losing Landis Gog is a big part of that. Absolutely. But. So that's something that you've got to find a way to make up for this summer. One of our hardest players to have to match up against is out again. Now we know we have the knowledge of that. How can we come close to replacing his on ice performance or, you know, his on ice, what he brings. Yeah. Um, so that is the one thing that I think when you're looking at, but this saying, you know, if you're Jared Bednar, if you're the abs, you're saying, okay, we got to find a little bit of that again. We got to get back to just being a miserable night on the ice. I want to second that because it lends itself to each other. All of it. It's very cyclical, but mm -hmm. part of what, both Florida and Vegas, especially Vegas, honestly, Florida, I think is capable of this too. do well and why they're here this far and why Seattle advanced as far as they yep. did too, is they play a stifling brand of hockey, especially in how they deploy some of their coverage against high end talent opposite of them. And this is where I think Colorado has seen success. And I feel at times they leaned on their top six so heavily because they were behind in games. They were coming from behind and they needed a goal. When you're playing from that, you have a little bit of less trust in your bottom six, especially if it is constructed of a little bit of a hodgepodge, that you're deploying them a little bit less. It's harder to play a stifling brand of hockey when you're leaning on your top six that heavily. They get a little more worn out than they should throughout the course of a game. And this is where it lends itself to what we're talking about systematically is like this stifling brand of hockey that has an emphasis on Team D it only works if you have decent depth too. Right, right, right. And so got to have the players to that do That is something to take away. Honestly, like I think this is a big takeaway from the Seattle Colorado series. Like, wow, this is why Seattle was able to get this far mm -hmm. is they had this in their bag and I think the Avs can have it in their bag. They just have to prioritize it a little bit. Yep. I think the one other thing I would take away from game 1 specifically and this is something they already knew. Stay out of the penalty box. Yep, yep, yep. Good. 
call out. Not just, you know, obviously the end of that game, Florida got out of control and did a bunch of right. stupid stuff, but they took some critical penalties that cost them mm-hmm. badly in that game, despite short, scoring a shorthanded goal. You got to be smart. And, and the Avs had their fair share of problems with this all year. Cogliano, a great example mm-hmm. of a guy who just well, could not. Key players, too. Yeah. It's, you just got to be more disciplined. You have to be to be successful yeah. in the NHL. Uh, I, I wanted to do a, a thought experiment here with you. Okay. Ignore contracts. Okay. Next year, start of the season, who would you rather have? Georgiev, Bobrovsky, Hill. Georgiev. Georgiev. Okay. Yeah. I agree. I would rather have Georgiev, too. Yep. I don't think there's really any argument for Hill at the start of a season. It's Correct. awesome what he's doing. Yeah. His run is great. There's no track record there. I'll say we were all making the joke the other day. Of, if you're Vegas, as great as this is and all you care, if he wins the cup, that's all you really care about. But you're watching this like, oh, my God, he's an unrestricted free agent. What do we do? Yeah. And you're locked into Leonard for, what, two more years, I think? And But no one even knows what the situation Wait, is. He play? is. Yeah, is, right. is this who Aiden Hill is? Or is this he's on a a heater? He's on yeah. a he's on a Jordan Bennington heater. Yep. And then you have Bob who looked pretty shaky in game one. Didn't love it. It has some track record, is somewhere in the middle. Obviously, when you include contract, of course you you're never chasing Bob. Right. But as the goaltender I think age, track record, plus projection, I think Georgiev pretty easily of those three. And I think it's for the combination of everything that we're saying. We have a full regular season and some of a postseason to evaluate Georgiev on. And one of his strengths was pretty consistent. Like you didn't expect really vigorous highs and lows with him. He stayed at a pretty even pace throughout the entirety of it. Obviously, there were some tough periods, but where he earns credit back is some of the strength of play during some of the worst points of the season that were the only thing keeping the team close to consistent um yeah. and for that reason that's where your has the edge for me even though you know a year and a little bit plus is not a significant time in the scheme of things i did think he did like laid some solid groundwork for making that case for himself solidified what you hoped like yeah. it solidified when you what you were looking at saying well if we can get that now you're onto the can you keep it going you did it you did what we thought you could do once now is that repeatable? And I think that's the question mark with him and with the other two guys. It's what even is this with Hill and Bobrovsky? It's like, a, you know, Bobrovsky, we've seen this high wire act from him for years. Actual brick wall right. or a sieve. You have no idea. <laughs> right. And then Aiden Hill, it's like, well, there really wasn't a track record that said <laughs> that you at were all. at all yeah. capable of this. Right. So we don't really know. So again, of those three, even though two of them are currently playing the Stanley Cup final and Alexander Georgiev is not, I think that's the guy you go with. Yep. I, I'm with you. I agree with everything both of you said. It, I, from a stability standpoint, I don't think it's close. Yeah, I agree. Again, ask me this year, next time, maybe it's Aiden Hill. I, you yeah. know, I don't know. If he goes into next season and keeps doing Does this, this again, yeah, you're then like, yeah. okay, I guess this is legit. Right, but, right. Uh, all right. On that note, look, the Avs' future and goal is pretty bright. So when you're looking into the future, make sure you're wearing your Shady Rays sunglasses. 
You don't want to go blind staring at the sun. You can go to ShadyRays.com, use code DNVR today to order two pairs or more of sunglasses and get 50% off your order. It's basically buy one, get one free. They are an independent sunglasses company that offers world-class products. Uh, They're just as good as any of those crazy expensive pairs, except for you don't have to pay like $200 for a pair of sunglasses like a crazy person. Yep, Uh, yep, yep. Don't spend that much money on something. I mean, do if you want to, I guess. I don't care. But Shady Rays is... But when you have an option not to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, they have great protection as well. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by their lost and broken replacements for the entire first month you have them. If you don't like them, send them back. They'll send you a new pair. If you break them, send them back. They'll send you a new pair. If you lose them, you can't send them back, but they'll send you a new pair. (laughs) Uh, So they got you covered for the first month to try whatever you want and go get sunglasses that you like. If you're a ski or snowboarder, they also have goggles for you too. So again, check them out, ShadyRays.com. If you're local, they have a brick and mortar in the Park Meadows Mall. Uh, Use the DNVR code when you go over there to get 50% off two pairs or more of polarized sunglasses. They've got five stars by over 250,000 people. Uh, I'm gonna gonna be honest with you, chat. Do I look like someone who's in shape and healthy? Because I know the answer to that is no. So I'm going to let the in shape and healthy people on the pod do the, do the read about athletic greens. (laughs) Hey, look, the ultimate, the ultimate story for it, I think was last week when I said I had to take Hannah to the airport at three 30 in the morning, I was getting to go home and go right back to bed, but she was, you know, she was having to go meeting PA people and stuff like that. So at three 30 in the morning, she reached for a coffee, energy drink, brought her AG one with her, drank it in the car. Was able to keep going, got her up and going. I say it all the time. I, I grew up kind of picky. I've gotten <laughs> much better about it the older I get. But with AG1, I get to have one scoop and a bottle of water. And it's all my fruits, all my veggies I need for the day. So anything on top, that's just a bonus. Perfect. You can go get your Athletic Greens today at athleticgreens.com slash avalanche. Highly recommend. You get well, and then after, and I think it was after the cup final last year, yeah. you and I both got like deathly ill on the yep. same day. Mine lasted for like five Mine days. You were like down for like two, two weeks. weeks. It was awful. And I was, I was drinking AG1. That was all I was doing. There you go. Proof is in the pudding on Proof's that one. Proof is in the pudding, mm-hmm. man. So. 3.30 a.m. <laughs> if you're sick, if you just want fruits and veggies, there's, there's, a, there's no real good reason not to do it. Not to take it. Why aren't you doing Why it? aren't you taking it? You want to look like me? No. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Say three nice things about yourself. Uh, I'm a cool guy. That's one. Yep. I like that. Just overall know, good dude. I know yeah. a few things about hockey. Yep. That's two. Uh, I'm pretty good at certain video games. Yeah, that's three. I mean, those, those are three pretty apathetic ones, but those were three nice things about yourself. I'm glad technically. You, you entertained it too, yeah, which I was I'm really say. glad about. I trust, I, I know I make fun of myself. Don't worry, chat. My self-esteem is, is plenty high. I'm good. Uh, all right. On that note, maybe I'll bring you a good pick of the week. All right. I do sit in front of a computer screen all day. I should know what I'm doing. This one, this one is is interesting for me, because I feel like with the Nuggets you have to you have to work a little bit to get good odds because you can't even like pick Jokic triple double anymore because right. he does it every game. Right. So off night by MPJ in game two. Yep. So I'm taking the over on MPJ threes for game three. Bounce back. Exactly. I think he's going to show up and and dominate in Miami because that's where all the cool kids go. Sure. Yeah. Hell yeah. Why not? 
I'm going with MBJ over on threes in Miami for game three. That's my pick of the week for DraftKings Sportsbook. Get over there with DraftKings. Use the DNVR code. When you sign up, you can place a $5 bet to get $200 in bonus bets instantly with that DNVR code and a new account at DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, reminder, you must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Other terms, restrictions, and conditions apply. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Massachusetts, 800-327-5050. Uh, or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Okay. Uh, in New York, you can call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. That's 467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance, opt-in, and 10-plus leg parlay required for 100% boost. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. Terms at, dra- at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms. I don't know what that was, but I wouldn't nail. I wouldn't say I nailed it. We I, got I would it. say you would. <laughs> Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Let's actually get into this this game a little bit. Which one? Game two of Florida. Oh, okay. The game tonight. Vegas. Yes. Yes. Okay. One, Bob has to be better for Florida, right? Yep. Yep. Let's assume that happens. What does Florida have to do to win one on the road here? So I was laughing because I don't remember which person on Twitter it was, but there was an argument that was made the night before game one by using analytics to say Bobrovsky hasn't actually been that good. And I was like, see, this is where the analytics community loses people. Anybody that has watched the Florida Panthers run knows they're not here without Sergey Bobrovsky. Yep. He's made massive saves in key times. Uh, you know, he, he's, he's slammed the door when he needed to, you know, expected that he's been great. He's been fantastic. He needs to have a fantastic game tonight. And, and look, I mean, really, I watched that game one, Florida, you said it earlier, Rudo, I thought the third period was a little, it wasn't Mm -hmm. great. So they got to clean that up. But I kind of felt coming out of that one, the same way I felt coming out of game one against Boston for them where it's like you had a couple moments where you looked a little uncomfortable. Late in the third there, you looked like maybe the moment became a little bit too much. Bob hadn't bailed you out fully, and they just kind of, you know, the, the, the game got away from just a little bit. Yeah. But I thought, other than that, it was a decent night. So I think you need to repeat what you did for Florida, clean up some of the stuff in the third, a little bit more discipline, and then you got it. Bob's got to just be a little bit better, and you're right in it, and this could easily be a split going back the other way. I wrote about it on the round table. Make it a little bit more difficult for Hill. The two goals they score are, are you know, the wraparound, uh, shorthanded, yeah. and then a clean shot right off the faceoff. You got to get some greasy goals. You got to get to the blue paint. I don't know what Nick Cousins yeah, was you doing. Yeah, just need Nick Cousins to finish that. Like, one, like, dude. I mean, that that looked like a play where it's like, oh, wide open net. I just have to tap Ted, this yeah. in. You're the Stanley Cup final. Choke up on your it. stick. Yeah. Get down on one knee and fucking put that thing into the back of the yeah. net at 80 miles an hour from three feet out. Like, they, they, they've just... you got to make life more difficult in front of Aiden Hill. The Avs ran into that problem last year against St. Louis and then again in against Tampa. Tampa was eating a lot of pucks out high. 
They got made it difficult for Vasilevsky to see pucks, get them through, find traffic, you know, find pucks through traffic in and around the front of the net. Um, it, it's just simple stuff we've seen Florida do through these entire playoffs to get to this point. You're into the final now. You got that first game out of the way. The patch is still on your jersey. Settle down. Get back to what you've been doing. I feel pretty similarly because I think Vegas did look to be the better team for the majority of the game, but I felt it was really close. I didn't feel Florida was out of it at any point. Things fell off near that halfway point of the third period, but beyond that, I actually thought Florida had a pretty good second period. Um, and nope. I even didn't think Bob Brovsky's performance was bad. It just wasn't good enough. And where I think things change, because you're right, I don't think they have to completely reinvent how they executed from game one into game two. They do need to clean up some things, respond to the lows of the game a little more productively. I think they got in their heads a little bit too much, especially in the third period when things became unraveled for them. And then the part about making it difficult for Aiden Hill is interesting because I, gr I agree, like Matt Kachuk was held to maybe just two shot attempts on net that finally get mm -hmm. through. And there were other players who were generating more shots that were getting blocked, missed, and they need to find a way to get through Vegas's D zone coverage, no matter how greasy it might get. Because having the stars contained on Florida's side of it as much as they were, I don't think is as easy to repeat either. That's where I think somebody has to break through. Um, but it's necessary at this point, too, because this stifling brand of hockey that we've alluded to, Vegas did well in game one, and they have no reason to go back and change their game plan from game one because they executed very consistently, very well. Right. Florida needs to anticipate that. And I like I remember this with Nathan McKinnon in the Seattle series. You just have to find a way around expecting that you are going to be highly covered if you're Matt Kachuk. Barkov, you expect that that is going to be the case and you have to find a way around it and it might require a greasier brand of hockey, which I think Florida's capable is there, of. Yeah, they're equipped to do. A hundred percent. And they got to lean into that without like, the other thing I wouldn't want them to do is overcomplicate things. In a way to me, it actually feels like simplifying things from their perspective yeah. by getting back to their identity, which is that. It's, it's not just Nick Cousins, right? Yeah. Yes, Nick right. Cousins missed that wide open goal, but... Barkov and Kachuk held off the scoreboard. It's going to be hard for Florida to win yep. games when that happens. Well, and, and to your point, Megan, about the way that Vegas plays, and this isn't something new. I remember this being a frustrating brand of hockey to watch in 2021 when the Avs were eliminated by Vegas in six games. When the tide on that series switched, that was the most frustrating part was it was just shin pad after shin pad after shin pad after shin pad. The infamous Ryan Graves triple shin pad shot to that Mark Stone breakaway, right? It's yeah. like, dude, he let you have the puck twice. <laughs> Get it deep. <laughs> and again, Tampa Bay tried to do that to the Avs last year once the series shifted back to, to Tampa Bay. Yep. They said, you like to work low to high, shots from out high? Fine. Earn them. Yep. We're not going to let anything through. And the Avs had to get pucks back down low. You had to capitalize off your rushes, take advantage of your mistakes, and get some greasy goals in and around the net. Uh, you know, again, the Nazem Kadri overtime winner, the what ended up being Andrew Cogliano game time goal for that. That's all stuff where it's, you know, you're, you're battling for position down low and you got to beat a guy to the net. If Vegas is going to say, try to beat us from the perimeter, we dare you. Florida has to find a way to get to the inside of the ice, get inside the home plate area and, and generate some havoc there. And Hey, if Aiden Hill's having to make diving paddle saves, that means he's not in the right spot. Yeah. Right. Yep. And there's a lot of net to shoot out of. You can find and win some pucks. 
It's a great save. It was an yeah. outstanding save. Great recovery should have been more routine if he was in position. <laughs> well, and 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 really, I I really did as as much as I am not trying to take anything away from Aiden Hill because that was an outstanding display of athleticism and of puck tracking and all that stuff. Watching that replay and you watch the body language of Nick Cousins, it's like, dude, again, yep. put that drop to one well, knee and punch that thing even, into the back of the net. Even beyond that, okay, you missed the shot. The puck pops up in the air. If they win that battle, Aiden Hill's in the corner. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> that right. puck is a free goal if you win it after that. We, we always joke about, you know, Cam Ward every week. The NHL used to do back before their best saves right. of the week. It was, yeah. it was every Monday. You got a top 10 saves of the week, top 10 goals, top 10 hits. Cam Ward, it felt like had four of the top 10 every <laughs> week. But when you watch the full play, it's like, well, yeah, <laughs> if he didn't make that, you know, diving 360 cartwheel save with the knob of his stick, he was 10 feet out of position. <laughs> that was his only play. The fact that it worked is astonishing. <laughs> and so again, Florida just, Find a way to get to the middle of the ice. Get some shots from there. You have shooters. You have guys that are comfortable playing in front of the net. Lean into that. That's what it's going to take. Megan, the word stifling that you used for Vegas, I think, is spot on. You're not going to beat them from the perimeter. Not to mention Aiden Hill's just a little too dialed in right now. You're not zipping pucks by him for your only the, source of production. The one other thing I would add, we've said Bobrovsky needs to be better. Help him out. 100%. Aaron Ekblad and Gustav Forsling got caved mm -hmm. in that hockey game. I mean, they were just giving up ridiculous amounts of shots compared to everyone else on Florida. And at the end, in the third period, it wasn't just Ekblad. This was Mark Stahl, too, as well. They just gave up a few too many high-danger chances yeah. in the critical moments of that hockey game. Their defense up to this point has been better than that. Yeah. And it needs to be better than that if they want to win this series. Yep. From Vegas' side... Just keep doing what you're doing, or is there an adjustment you can make? I I, I think there's always that's the beauty of the of the uh, you know Stanley Cup playoffs seven game series. Safe is death, right? That's what yeah. Andrew Cogliano told me last year. Yeah. Safe is death. You have to make some adjustments. You have to know that Florida is going to adjust. Try to you know what we were just talking about. Hey, we did a great job of eliminating shots from outside. We know they're going to be trying to get to the interior. We have to make sure that our, you know, we got active sticks, sticks are in lanes, you know, make sure you're checking your guys coming through, finish your hits, continue to make yourselves hard to play against. And then, Hey, we got to continue to be able to roll four lines, Carrier, Colasar, like, you know, there's, there's the, the clip of Keegan Colasar yelling that the Florida Panthers are pretenders. That's yeah. going around Twitter right now. Cool. You're calling them out for being pretenders. Don't end up on the bad side of a meme a week from now. That, that depth that has carried Vegas through, they've got to keep doing what they've been doing. Um, so it's more the same, but you have to know that there's going to be adjustments coming from Florida's side. Definitely. And from Vegas' standpoint, and I thought they responded to this in-game well within the first period, but the shorthanded goal is a bad, bad yep. mistake. It's, bad. it's yep. an yep. avoidable one. I think they neutralize it well by then getting a goal just before that period ends. But that is something for them to look at then is buttoning up those types of mistakes because they just can't happen in a Stanley Cup final. Well, it does, I, I'm glad that you brought that up because I remember watching it and they just, they looked so unprepared for William Carlson to, you know, he was running to the bench to get a stick. But it's like, Petrangelo stood there. Like he was just trying to wait for, it's like, get a puck deep. Like you can, I, I agree with you 100%. He threw it to Marcheseau, who had two guys closing on him. He had no real lane, and then Petrangelo didn't move. Yeah. It's like that. that's just a bad mistake. 
that you can't their their lucky did not cost them because that was just a dumb boneheaded play all around. It's just dumb. Um, okay. If you want uh, the rest of our thoughts on game one and this series, again, go check out the round table that just went up on the site today, the DNVR.com. Go have a read of that. Winner of tonight's game, the favorite in the series? Mm. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if, if you're down 2 nothing, that, that's a hard Vegas hole to definitely dig out of. the favorite yeah, yeah, at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If Florida wins... You're never in trouble till you lose at home. If Florida wins tonight, they Vegas can kind of at home. they can kind of take back home ice, yep. and suddenly, Game Six is in Florida, and you are now targeting that as that's a date we feel pretty good about. And the the prediction dream is still alive for all of us at this moment. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to. No one picked a sweep. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, man, but I, I came uh, close. You, you, I was going to say. They need four in a row for Megan you. Megan <laughs> needs a strong performance from the Panthers yeah, that, tonight. That home ice better be real good if they can get a win tonight, <laughs> too. Uh, all right, I'm good. Any final thoughts from you two? I'm good. Sweet. We're going to get out of here. We appreciate all of y'all hanging out with us on a Monday. We're back every day this week, five days a week, bringing you coverage of cup finals, avalanche news, around the league news. Zach coming in at the last minute, a little bit late to the show today, but we still appreciate you, Zach, and everyone else. Like and subscribe here on YouTube. It really helps us out a ton, and we will talk to you all tomorrow.